of the class weeknights now at six on Fox 19. I saved you a fucking shitty fucking career and and it wasn't even me Steve I'm not like that was the level of shit in that school there were legit like there was high level bullying going on in that school and even to the teachers personally me in junior high the year after I had two teachers in like seventh and eighth grade, they retired. And one I know for a fact that it was probably like I was the last straw. But at Perrysburg, yeah, I had a, a teacher in um, that was my. It was a guy. I don't even remember his name, but uh, old. Um, and I remember him telling me at the end of the year that he was never so happy to see a student go on to the next grade than me. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And he's like, well, it's because you've made my life a nightmare this whole year. So I cannot wait to for next year. So that wasn't great. Miss Wolliver, my English teacher, told my parents, he's never going to be anything. He's not going to amount to anything. Miss <laughs> Wolliver had a fat pussy. She had a wolfy pussy. You know, all I remember her is about her is, you know, being bad. And I remember she, um, she had like that. It was just like a nineties look. It was like white chick, like curly, you know, they get it curled. Uh, and it's, it's just like a triangle type thing. It was very severe. Like she might sell Avon. She might teach. Yeah, definitely that. Like, she looks like she's going to sell you some Tupperware or some shit, you know? But I admit, I fully admit, like, I'll, I'll say that. And honestly, I don't like a, a teacher that uh, says your kid's not going to amount to shit. Uh, but I was a piece of shit. You know what's really fucked up, though? I think she got caught. I'm not even going to say anything because I don't want to fucking, like. No, say it. I think. Well, speaking on her having a fat pussy, I think she got caught in a uh, affair with another teacher in that school, Steve. Yes. That pussy status, dude. Miss Wolver with the wolf pussy. Wolver. She's pulling the Wolver over your eyes, Steve. She, you thought she had that fat puss, but she was just gushing all over a history teacher, dude. Fucking beef curtains flapping over my eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that meme where it's just like they'll <laughs> something will fly across the room and then it'll just be like roast beef on like a guitar string? And it just says Fucking puss looks like an Arby's roast beef sandwich. <laughs> one of those five for fives, you know, one of those nasty ones. <laughs> Just like, like the way I like. Already I think off. Steve Very has serious. a fucking. I think you have a thing for this bitch, Steve. I think you want to go back to Peaberg and fucking put your pee in some wool of her V, Steve. I wouldn't mind, you know. Fuck a 
Literally. Bugger. I she's not uh, that's the name of a woman with a fat pussy. Wooliver. I don't get it though, but yeah, I guess. I don't get it. That's just like we don't make them cold, man. Just some things you just let. You're right, guess I'm not even this is a fucking uh you know, this is just like do it improv. God, I'm so I'm fucking dumb, Steve. Just yes and. I don't get it. But f- I mean, go for it. Go for that. Whatever you're thinking is there. I'm thinking it's probably gonna look more like a dick. But... Anything goes at this point. We already started off weird as fuck. Weird and wild indeed. Yeah, it's gonna be tough to transition from this to Bobby's world, but you know, go for it, bro. Hey, it's all about wolf pussies. Her pussy sounds like the Nittany Lion roar, Steve. Yeah, uh, if she's still alive. If you sometimes feel like an underdog in business, here's a whole new way to compete. Make one phone call to Sprint and a telecommunications specialist will custom design a small business package just for you. It'll have all the cutting edge technology that only big business used to be able to afford. by the We're in business. So you can get to be one of those big rich companies that everybody resents. So, hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Matt G with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happened in the 90s. So get out your go-gurts and your bananas and pajamas. And do you really might know what it's like? And do you really might know what it's like? And do you really might know what it's like? To have to lose. And do you really? That's my shit. Band? What band was that? That's that Everlast. Everlast, dude. Yeah, and he he resurfaced as Everlast, and and he still did numbers. Bankhead bounced for that man, Everlast. The motherfucker, I remember he was on some show, and he had like a heart attack, but he had like a machine put into his heart, like a pacemaker, and you can hear that. He put a mic up to it, and he's like, you can hear this shit working. It's fucking crazy. He survives. And he's still performing. I didn't see. My thing was with Everlast. He had that album and with that song on it. And for whatever reason, that shit caught fire. It was kind of a slow, like. But I didn't really. I was more for, uh, you know, Everlast pre that more of a hip-hop flavor this was more of like a blues shit you know what i mean and i mean i think it even says that in the what is it called whitey ford sings the blues yeah so yeah but you liked it I, i'm i agree to disagree, steve i don't hate everlast the motherfuckers up g but you know as, a, as an artist you grow man that's like some sad, like, you got, you're just sitting around, like, wanting to cry music, I feel like. Especially that song. 
and, and sometimes I want to cry. Okay, I sometimes okay. I want to play some white the blues, and I just want to sit in a corner uh, next to a, a window where there's rain pouring down, and just look at the fucking gray clouds. Sometimes I, I just want to. Okay. Are you okay, Steve? <laughs> Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I want to listen to Everlights. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm with you, Steve. When I want to cry, I put on the end of the movie Phenomenon after John Travolta dies, and I, I, I just cry my eyes out. I don't understand why. Um, but I'm here for you. And... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you're not listening to a lot of that now. I, I get it though. You gotta have one ready to go, like you know when Michael Scott breaks up with uh, that chick and he's just listening to Goodbye, my dove. Goodbye, my friend. <laughs> so I get it, but did I like it? I'm gonna go ahead and say no, Steve. That's a hard no for me. I bought it, the CD. I played it. I tried to like it, and uh, that's a no for me, dog. The the man doesn't go to museums. You need culture. All all it comes back to that. All of it comes back to that, Matt. You you're you saying Whitey Foreman sings the blues is the culture I need right now? It's that's like going to a bowling alley, Steve. What are you talking about? Best bowling alley. Not, not the ringy dick one that's around the corner. You kind of got to go into Midtown, you know, and, and pay for parking on weekends. Okay. All right, well, divisive, uh, divisive start to happen in the 90s, Steve. But I get it. We all got to cry. Steve, let it out. If you need to let it out for our listeners, I mean, just let it out. But I feel like you're coming in, you're coming in a little hot. You know, you're coming in weird. You're coming in horny. For sure, so I'm excited. Well, pussies. <laughs> Me getting a horny gets you excited, and I, I, I'm the one weird. Yeah. We're going to talk about all September 8th in the 90s. Starting off in 1990, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes premieres on Fox Kids. Remember that shit? Hell yeah. Did you ever watch the original movie? Hell no. Do you know who's in that? That's a '90s legend. That's a, I mean, an icon of movies now. Uh, Goldblum, Clooney, close. Could have probably played. Probably went up for the same part because this was like Clooney with the mullet. You know, almost looking like uh, Uncle Jesse Clooney. Um, but I love this cartoon, and it had a great, it had a great theme song, "Attack of the Killer Tomatoes." You know, and then on and on. But it was a good theme song, too. I like this. George Clooney was in uh, Facts of Life. He played uh, Butchwin's boyfriend for, uh, like, the later seasons. I mean, he was always, like, the heartthrob dude. But it he, that's what he played in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. He was just, like, the handsome hero dude, you know? He was just, like, a civilian that just okay. was there to, like, have wind blow through his locks, basically. You know who the star was he the star of the movie? No, it's kinda like an ensemble thing, but he was one of the big parts in it. And I don't remember who else was there was probably a couple other like semi famous people in it, but he was like right at the beginning of his acting career, you know, getting work and shit, so it was pretty funny. 
it's wacky. It's a fucking movie about tomatoes eating people with teeth and shit. You know, it's just as weird looking at it in a cartoon, but it was live action. So, you know, it's kind of a, almost like little shop of horrors vibe ish, you know, without the music. Oh, yeah, definitely. Late night for sure. Uh, and, and by the way, man, we're talking about a lot of debuts on Saturday morning, a lot of date, a lot of premieres for cartoons, man. Uh, so that was Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. But also in 1990, Bobby's World premiered on Fox Kids and they're airing their pilot, The Visit to Aunt Ruth's. Bobby does not want to stay at Aunt Ruth's house. He thinks he'll be bored and she smells. However, Bobby finds that being with his Aunt Ruth is actually fun. And uh, this was one of the shows I'd watch along with Power Rangers before going to school in the mornings, man. Yeah, hell yeah. When it came out, my dad and I, for whatever reason, like, this was one of the first shows I remember having, like, where he would just, like, oh, Bobby's World's on? And he would watch it with me. I don't know whether he actually liked it or not, but um, I watched this heavily when it was on Saturday mornings and, like, you, like, before it came on or before we went to school and stuff. But this is a... Howie Mandel with coming straight off of putting a glove on his head and blowing it up. You know, he's a stand-up guy. He does stand up at the beginning of this. Almost, you know, he's in a half animated, half himself. Um, and this yeah. was a Howie Mandel joint. I think Bobby was a character he did on stage. Um, with the different voice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. This is just one of those great, like imaginative it's a kid with a huge imagination uh you know learning lessons it, it was funny um it was cool it was just like a fun show to watch they got like near the end man there were some like rough lessons because i remember he was like friends with his bus driver and then the bus driver died so there was an episode about him dealing with death so wow. they went heavy you know they tried to teach you some lessons but i uh i love it I don't like Howie Mandel just hanging out in my bedroom. This is terrifying for me as a child, but he's here. That's what I like about the beginning of this. Like, they, they, they're they goofy. They have this intro where he's sort of, I think he's doing a bit that was probably something he was talking about. And then he's like, oh, wait. And he's, he's actually the dad in the show. And he, like, snaps himself into being animated, which I just thought was kind of cool. And something I'm just now learning, man. This whole time, I thought John Candy was Uncle Ted. Dude. so not Ted. That's crazy you said that because I realized that a while ago because my dad and I always thought that. When we watched the show and up until I was like 30, I thought it was the case. And we looked it up. I was like, holy fucking shit. It is not fucking John Candy. Like this whole time, like, was that intentional? Did you really (laughs) talk like that? Because... I mean, it had to be fashion. Like, they had to be like, we're going to... This guy's modeled after John Candy. If it wasn't just completely on purpose, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. That's hilarious. I thought me and my dad were just stupid as fuck and we're like, oh, yeah, it's fucking John Candy. Nope. Everybody thought that, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, his, uh, his real name, the actual guy is Tino Insana. He's no longer with us. He passed away in 2017, May 31st, 2017. Yeah, Tino Insana 
uh, that's the actual guy's name. And and like you said, we're starting off this episode, Howie Mandel. He's in Bobby's bedroom, uh, you know, doing one of his bits. And he ends up turning himself into a cartoon version, an animated version of himself. And uh, Bobby finds out that they're going to Aunt Ruth's place for her birthday. And Bobby's dreading this. It's it's not fun. I, I didn't have any relatives like this that I was like terrified to go to. But he's a little baby kid. I mean, what is he like four or five, whatever he is. And uh, yeah, he's not happy that he's going to Aunt Ruth. And then his dad's like, chill out, go to sleep. And he goes to sleep and he has this dream where Aunt Ruth is like a Godzilla figure, you know, trotting through yeah. town, uh, pinching the cheeks of the citizens <laughs> until their faces turn to mush. Um, so clearly uh, he's not looking forward to the trip, Steve. She's bigger than Sears Tower and she smells like running makeup over heat <laughs> flashes. And like Bobby's having nightmares about Aunt Ruth. <laughs> And he, when he wakes up, he ends up having an actual Toy Story before Toy Story moment when his toys come to life and start having conversations with him and whatnot. Yeah, his, his bear is going to move. He, he even told his dad about this. He's like, when you turn the lights off, this bear is moving. And his dad's like, you're yeah. crazy. You're a little kid. Shut up. Go to bed. And then he turns the lights off and the bear is moving. And what's even more, I guess not terrifying, the bear is moving in that it's moving. But he's also moving in that he's he's taking off, Steve. He's backing up. It got drafted yeah, to be in I the mean, service or some going, shit, right? He's going into the military, Steve. And, uh, you know, he wants to do some good. And uh, he's even got the Army guys helping him pack up. So that's crazy. I don't know if Bobby's having just straight up acid. Maybe his parents did a lot of acid back in the 70s. I don't know, but... Or they um, bought him a really good bear. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. That new new back in the 90s. Um, but yeah. the bear even says he's going to be a radar technician, Steve. So he's off to bigger and better things. Um, serving the military proudly. I know. I mean, I mean, Polly Shore joined the army. So, you know, I think this bear's got a good shot. Suck on this the one time. <laughs> and uh, like Bobby, he gets he gets back to reality. And the next morning, the family's having breakfast. You know, he's eating his Captain Squash cereal and picking his nose. His sister tells him not to. So what does Bobby do? He daydreams about picking his nose and he's picking different noses. One of them is like a, a machete or not a machete, but a machine gun kind yeah. of nose that just right a tat tats out a motherfucker. Uh, and then there's another nose that's a Pinocchio nose. And he's lying, saying that like he has permission to pick his nose, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger until his mom wakes him up out of the daydream. Yeah, and this was the chance to meet all of the family too. We've already met the dad. Um, also, their name is generic, which I thought was their last name is actually generic, but it's called generic. So I thought that was funny. generic. Yes, don't get it wrong, Steve. Don't fucking don't. <laughs> um, but his mom, his mom is like. Somebody out of the movie Fargo, she's constantly like, don't you know? She has one of those oh, yeah. accents. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Bobby. Bobby. Your dad's busting nuts inside of me. She, that's Irish. I don't, that's not what she sounds like, people. But um, Don't eat with your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Mine was um, worse. I forget what her... I got the names written down here somewhere. 
Uh, sister's name is Kelly. Kelly has, you know, these are early 90s, like, tropes. So Kelly's like a punk rock chick. She's got crazy hair. Um, but she's kind of, she's like this. She's the yeah. fucking ditz, you know, but... Um, and his brother's like an X Games wannabe. I think, what is his brother's name? Derek, I think. Derek, you know, yeah. They're there just to be like. He's got a flat top. Yeah. And he had rat tail. With a rat tail. Yeah, rat tail, dude. That's, <laughs> dude, what was going on in the 90s, bro? That was a real thing. Um, He's rocking but, that Danny Cooksey. Yeah, dude. That's a straight fuck. Is he going to be a fucking manager at a strip club at some point in his life? Because that's really all you got to go to. Um,. <laughs> But they're all going to Aunt Ruth's. Nobody wants to go to this woman's house except the dad. Everyone else is like, can we fucking, God. But they get in the car. And this is where, you know, the dad, the dad's, this, I've had this happen to me many times because even just myself in a car, my dad would be like, I will fucking, I will sh- uh, stop this fucking car. I've had those moments, Steve. So it, this, mo- this whole trip is that. Everybody shut the fuck up. I'm going to drive off this bridge. I will fucking go into oncoming traffic, you little fucks. Because Bobby yeah. won't stop fighting. He's, he's nice, but his brother's an asshole. Kelly's fucking like nudging people. Everybody's in the back seat. Mom's trying to keep the peace. They're on the road. Bobby goes into another delirium. Uh, this time, yeah. uh, what does he do? They're in prehistoric times. Yeah. And he's daydreaming about pterodactyls flying around in airplanes. Yeah. And um, exactly. He's a caveman. He actually dreams that he came up with the TV dinner as a caveman at some point. Um, They make him chief. (laughs) Yeah. Then he rules the world. Um, Back in real life, Derek is like, check this out. (laughs) And I did this. I used to do this probably because of the show. And he starts putting his hand out the window and slapping the side of the car, making his dad think he had a flat tire, which is he his dad goes into another rage about. Um, and then they start passing cool shit. It's like we're going to Aunt Ruth's, but yo, 60 flags is literally 50 miles away. Let's go. Let's go. And then Waterworld is 200 miles. Yeah, that's past fucking Aunt Ruth's, but fuck it. Let's go there. And his dad's like, we're going to Aunt Ruth's. Shut the f- what the fuck? <laughs> and and then, uh, but Howard gets pulled over by the police. Forgot about that. Yeah, and I, I mean, he might get pulled over for abusing his children if he doesn't stop. Um, but Joe Jackson. The, yeah, <laughs> but the cop like starts talking to him, and then Bobby has another fucking. This kid needs to pull out of it. You know, this kid's daydreaming all the time. Now he's daydreaming. The cop's like, hey, man, you got because I think his dad says something like, I am a taxpayer. He does like the white guy thing. And the cop's like, oh, yeah, you know what? We need a good taxpayer. I need your help right now. And they get in like a helicopter. I think they go after a criminal, Steve, if I'm not mistaken. Dude, Bobby thinks he's John fucking McClane now. That's it. And he's, he's on the top of a roof. And he's hopping off of exploding buildings. And I don't know if he ever named or had a name for his little strap along spider friend. Webley. But he's like using Webley. Okay. Yeah. So he's using it like some fucking uh, rope or some shit. To, to he does get the diehard thing. He exploding buildings the through hard. a window. He has a gun. I think it's like a, a fucking harpoon gun, but it's a gun, Steve. 
Hey, he's about to stay strapped in his imagination. <laughs> I mean, he's got one on the nose. He's got fucking the nose gun, if you don't remember that. Now he's strapped Hell up yeah. with a harpoon gun, for fuck's sake. This kid's fucking coming in hot, Steve. Stay ready, so you never have to get ready. Uh, so and they-, they finally get... Oh, no, before that, though, actually, the cop says, uh, you're going to Aunt Ruth's. That's punishment enough. So he just gives them a warning. Everybody knows Aunt Ruth's place sucks. Bobby knows it. The cop knows it. Everyone knows it. And Aunt Ruth, we finally get to see her. She gives Bobby a big hug. And then we're introduced to Uncle Ted, who's going to go roughhousing. Bobby has another daydream. Him and Uncle Ted are in the roughhousing Olympics. And this is a recurring theme of this show, man. Uh, he always imagines him and his Uncle Ted in these like uh, fantasy like uh, situations to where they, they conquer the world. Because that's his favorite uncle. It's, it's Uncle Ted. This boy, that's his favorite dude. nephew. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, he might be one of the goats of uncles, man. He, he might be one beat behind uh, Uncle Phil. Can't top Uncle Phil. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, Uncle Phil also bred it up and responsible. Uncle Ted, I feel like, is just a guy who might place a couple of bets, you know? <laughs> I don't know what job he's got, but um, he's a he's a mensch, Steve. He's a badass. I always thought, because well, I was a fan of the cartoon or the uh, comic and the in the papers, Calvin and Hobbes. I always thought this show was kind of like the closest we would get to a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. Cause it's a kid just with the ultimate imagination, constantly yeah. just making it something cooler than what it was. And that's what the show is. It's like, if he's going out to get some pizza, him and his uncle are like waiting through world war two shit. You know, it's like crazy shit like that. And I don't, I think that's why I loved it so much when I was a kid. Never thought about it like that, man. Um, but as, as he's daydreaming about this rough housing, Uncle Ted ends up breaking a lamp. This motherfucker's clumsy, Steve. And he says he can fix it. He's like, I, I got it. He calls for some super glue. And I think I figured out where Bobby's getting this imagination from, Steve, because as soon as somebody mentions super glue, Bobby's like, yeah, super glue. So I think he's, I think he's doing a little Charlie Kelly fucking huffing action, Steve. This kid's fucking out of his mind hey. right now. Hey, Bobo, you want some of this Elmer's glue? <laughs> no, I want the good stuff. Elmer's, Bobo. <laughs> I got the rubber cement in the fridge, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, so they brought some shit. But Uncle or Aunt Ruth, is she's cool, Steve. She's not the monster that we thought. She's like, you know what? She's got her house coat on. Probably got a wolf pussy. It's all good. She definitely has a wolf pussy. She's got them compression socks, Steve. All that blood's going right up to that puss. Mm -hmm. Straight from the kings. (laughs) God. Steve, I don't know. They call it taint. Do women call it taint or is it is it called something else? I don't even know that taint is even used anymore. That's what I would call it. But there's actually like a scientific term before that area. I hope you know that. It's like per perneal or some shit, dude. <laughs> 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 What would you call it other than taint, though? Perneal or some shit? I don't know what it is. There is a medical term for the taint. I call it a gooch. That's what I call it. Look at Perneal. 
<laughs> look it up. I don't know. Per what my it last is. email. Per my last date. <laughs> I'm looking this up, Steve. <laughs> Steve is tickled. Steve is tickled. What is the science? How do you I think it's called Bernio? <laughs> what is the scientific term for Tate, Steve? And oh, it's P E R I N E U M. So, ever, however you pronounce that, perennium. Perennium, okay. You say there's some perennial. That's just too funny to me. Shit, I don't care. Well, we'll call it that. I'm fucking. That's. I'm putting my fucking flag in the sand right there. That's what I'm calling my taint from now on. The perennial. Perennial. Put a little pressure. Per my last report. <laughs> perennial. Per my last. Per my last email. <laughs> Jesus. <clears throat> so Aunt Ruth's fucking out there getting her pussy sucked. Steve's out there trying to get in touch. <laughs> Uncle Ted's breaking shit like he's in a fucking Limp Biscuit video. And uh, Bobby's can't stop huffing <laughs> rubber cement, Steve. <laughs> I think we're good. They, they told him he can't get cookies because he hadn't eaten yet. So he tried to sneak up the counter, the kitchen counter with the stocking on his face his mom thought it was cute so they took pictures and then before they leave aunt ruth gives them chocolate chip cookies and uh, aunt ruth's pretty cool like i said she's got big titties probably what pussy and she got some chocolate chip cookies to give to her hell yeah and she don't give a fuck if you fuck up her house a little bit she's into the party and honestly i think what it is remember i don't know if you had this sometimes you'd go to a a friend's house or a relative and you might have cable, Steve, and maybe they don't. It's one of those things where it's like, man, I don't want to go to so-and-so's house, man. It smells. I had a relative whose house smelled that I didn't like going to. Named which, which relative? I'm not saying it out loud, Steve. Do you ever see them again? you plan on seeing them again? All right. right. It was one of my cousins. Uh... <clears throat> It was just a, and I'll, I actually, I'll, I'll throw an old friend under the bus too, because I don't know this guy anymore. Anywho, uh, we had a kid named Andy B. His last name rhyme, rhymed with fun guard. I don't know if you yeah, remember know, that you kid. Know what are you talking about? Man, fuck dude. His, his house stunk and he was my buddy and I would stay the night at his house and we'd buy like, we'd get like food and shit. But if his, if, if we had to eat food, I wouldn't eat it. Cause his house stunk so bad, Steve. I was like, oh. it was gross. And that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I think that's what Bobby was afraid of. It's different. He's a little kid. You've never seen the shit show. You got to see a couple of compression stockings and, uh, you know, a fucked up house every once in a while. And he made the most of it. And his Uncle Ted's there. Which I think... You'd think he'd know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he seems to know Uncle Ted. They're... they Either they just are fast friends or they're just our old friends. Because they just get right into it. So, I'd be excited if I knew Uncle Ted was there. Uncle Ted, he was a, a maybe. You know, he was always an expat. Maybe he'll pull up, maybe not. But my thing is, like, eventually he's just part of the squad because this show keeps going and he's always around. So maybe he moves to the move in with them. I don't know. But Uncle Ted, you ain't Uncle Phil, but maybe you get a good job and you're right up there, Steve. Steve. He's he's right there. Yeah. Um, And 
Once again, another cartoon in 1990 on September 8th, Peter Pan and the Pirates premiered on Fox Kids. And I remember it when it came out along with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Bobby's World. And uh, I appreciate the animation. This is one of those, uh, I, I feel a lost art in animation. I, I, this was used in the late 70s, in the 80s, uh, and I feel like this is the, like the last era of using this style of animation. The show it, it always has a like Bakshi feel to it. Yeah, remember the sh the, mo the show Gummy Bears? Yeah, totally, exactly. I, I feel like it had like, it was the same maybe company probably, but yeah, that's what I remember about this. I was like you, it was there. I remember it being there, and I probably watched a couple of episodes of it, but I don't know. Peter Pan was just never my thing. Ever. You no. Know? Like, the only pirates I fuck with was Sean Fanning. Yeah, and I, I'll, fu I'll fuck with Hook, with uh, Robin Williams, and fucking Rufio and shit. I'll fuck with that just a bit. But, I don't know. People were... I, we grew up in a time where just... Uh, if it wasn't that Julie Andrews, like, black and white play TV movie one that they did that was the one that I saw in, like, school and shit, or the Disney one, or Hook, they just, Peter Pan, for some reason, people want you to like that, no matter what generation it is, and I, I just, for whatever reason, I'm not into it, Steve, I don't like man boys, you know? <laughs> Help me out. Hated it! So, Zazu you. Uh, I've never heard of that one. Don't remember it, but that debuted on Fox Kids as well. And Zazu Yu is a children's. Uh, I, I feel like it was more catered towards the the younger children. Um, yeah, this sounds like a Gullah Gullah Island type situation, or like a pinwheel. Remember that shit. Yeah, this aired on Fox Children's Network block on Saturday mornings, and. Uh, it followed the antics of University of College populated by different animals. Okay, so collegiate hijinks <laughs> with animals. Okay, weird. Uh, I don't remember this. I must have. This must have been like one of those 7 a.m. get the day started cartoons. I don't know. It will. The animation, it gives me adult swim vibes uh, like the regular show. Yeah, I could see that. I can't see what the big thing behind you is, but it definitely, I could see this being on Hulu now and being like a mature cartoon. I like the guy, I like the walrus, like, uh, graduate dude on your right side. Whatever that is. I, I feel tusks. like his voice should be, <laughs> his voice should have been done by Nate Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it then. You put that together, Steve. I'm in. Uh, and also, 1990, New Kids on the Block cartoon premiere. And uh, who's your favorite new kid? Call me Donnie. Call me Joey. Call me Jesse. <laughs> Dude, these motherfuckers... You know what's crazy, Steve? These dudes are out there still trying to perform. Donnie, Donnie's got a back brace on, can't sing a lick. And he's out there performing with new kids on the like the whole squad's out there, Donnie included. But do bitches still show up though? Well, Donnie's connect. I think Donnie's married to Jenny McCarth. 
shout out to one of my heartthrobs as a teenager but i'm sure yeah i don't think they're teenagers i think they're 50 year old women now that are trying to relive their past but i don't remember the new kids on the block <laughs> cartoon at all um yeah yeah that was a thing i'm sure there was like i five bet you also don't that. remember this yeah, you don't remember Little Rosie. It's the starring vehicle of Roseanne Barr. She had her own cartoon on ABC. Yeah, it was uh, Roseanne Barr's first attempt at a cartoon. Loosely based on her childhood, the series revolved around an eight-year-old Rosie and her two best friends, Tess and Buddy. The three would use their imaginations to overcome obstacles they faced, such as spelling bees, family vacations, and rules that their parents forced upon them. It lasted Rosie. 18 episodes. Little fucking Rosie. <laughs> That's like, it's just little, look, it's little Dan. Little Dan and little Rosie. Dan's a big ass dude. Look at, that's hilarious, dude. Hey, you're a fat comedian. Let's give you a cartoon. Hey. And make you fat on the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Let's hey, Roseanne, you got asses. a cartoon. It worked for Candy and fucking Life with Louie, too. Fuck it. And put some chubby ass Chucky overalls on your on your chubby behind. That's hilarious, little Ro- little Rosie. Ha ha! Got a cartoon. Little Rosie. I mean, fuck it, dude. Get it. She was getting paid back in the night. They were like, "You're, we're going to give you all the money. You want to get to Little Kids Market? We'll make you a little fat cartoon. Fuck it. You want 18, your show every fucking Wednesday? 18 episodes? That's, fuck it. Yeah. That's enough. They were fucking just free-throwing checks out there in ABC land, man. And, uh... <laughs> Speaking of recycling a fucking story that won't go away, 1990, The Wizard of Oz premiered as if we gave a damn in 1990 as kids. Stop. Stop it. Yeah, this one too, Steve. The cartoon, sure, I didn't watch this. But even the, the movie, respect that it was a thing. Love the the myth that a midget was killed on set and they captured it on film and it was in there. That's not true. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just was not into that shit. There was some, some, like, classic, I guess you'd call it, things that when we were kids were just hammered at us. And I just, this was another one. And we just never it. gave a fuck. Hey, let's bring it back and put it in a cartoon. Then the kids will give a fuck. No, we don't give a fuck. Hey, hold on. What if we do high-level CG graphics, but we do the same story? How do you feel about that? What if a James Franco is the wizard? No? Fuck. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Unless I'm on... I mean, put, give me some fucking acid. Give me a boatload of acid and have me rip to the tits. And maybe I'll watch Wizard of Oz and love it. But as just like being here even high, I'm good. We will continue not giving a fuck about the wizard, Oz, Toto, Dorothy, or the state of Kansas. (laughs) But what we do give a fuck about is Super Mario Brothers 3, the animated series, which also debuted in 1990. And uh, this was popping in the video game world. And when we heard about it coming out on animation, oh my God. Turn the phone Bust. off. 
if you think about how much Nintendo was putting into uh, just advertising, because they made a movie called The Wizard that was about, literally was an advertisement for this game. They made a cartoon yeah, for the game, which, you know, I prefer the Captain Lou Albano joint. I don't think this is the same thing. Maybe it is. It's not. It's not. So, but no. still cool. I, I'll probably watch this. But then you got the game. I mean, Nintendo was fucking annihilating it. I don't know why they were putting so much effort into advertisement, but clearly it worked because we all played yeah, the shit out of that game. Fucking crushing it. But man, Super and Mario Brothers 19. 3, is that one of the better? Is that one of, if not the best? <laughs> is it the best game ever? Like, purely uh, just no. of being a. No? What's the best game ever, Steve? The best game ever is The Last Grand Theft Auto. Four or five? Uh, five is not out yet. Four. Or no, five, five is that. that was the last one, yeah, five. My bad. You think that's the best? I mean, it's good. That's cool. I can take that. Super Mario Brothers 3 is up there, though. It's definitely up there, but man, it takes a lot, and it's un- it's not fair because of technology. I think that is the the kicker that takes it over the edge for me in Grand Theft Auto, man. Um, just the re- the realism of it. Yeah, I mean, but what you know about that warp whistle, Steve? What you know about that secret warp whistle you can get and fucking warp to the end of the game, shit. For its time, Super Mario Three was cutting edge, though. Oh, and dude. it's still that shit. I will, I will play it today. That's what I like about it too, because you can go back and it's like one of those things where we were hammering that so much. I actually, I'll talk about it later. But there's another game I just got that's a classic game, and it's like Muscle Memory. You did it so much, you can almost like instantly go back, and it's you can do the same shit. Maybe a, you know a little bit of a buffer, but. Yeah, Mario Brothers 3, what's up? What's up, Nintendo? I miss you. You're no longer in my life, but I love you. You're the best. And once again in 1990, Tom and Jerry Kids premieres on, uh, I believe, syndication. Oh, no, NBC. So this was a busy Saturday morning, man. A lot of debuts. And I remember watching this because they incorporated all the classic characters, but just made them kids. Yep. And it's a story that never gets old cat and mouse and i mean that happened too they're putting all the characters into kids that was all 90s muppet babies this fucking uh the oh god looney tunes tiny tunes tiny tunes all that shit what was that like they man was there ever any originality steve we're doing reboots and remakes now they were just changing shit into kid shit back in the day what's going on here well, something that was original had. was Gravedale High, uh, which was starring Rick Moranis, and it was airing on NBC as well. Uh, the show was developed as an animated vehicle for Moranis, building on his star appearances in Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and he would later go on to play Barney Rubble in the Flintstones. And actually, um, fun fact, Steve, I don't know if you remember when Rick Moranis was assaulted on the streets of New York recently in the past few years. Did you remember that? I I do recall. The guy who assaulted him actually stated on record that it was because they stopped and canceled this show. This cartoon is why he punched Rick Moranis in the face. Are you fucking kidding me? 
I mean, that's not a real fact, Steve, but <laughs> I'm not oh, going to let you God, walk. I, I should have just let you walk through life like that. That would have been a fun one. I wish I could have. I shouldn't have said anything, but no, that's that's not the case. But that's not taking anything away from the legend Rick Moranis. I'm sorry I besmirched or made light of the fact you got hit in the face, um, yeah. but you're alive. And now that I see the mummy thing, Steve, I think I do remember a bit of the show. But you I don't do, know because I don't the I don't for whatever reason the mummy thing I'm having flashbacks and maybe the weird chick month thing like nerdy thing with the bow tie next to it but I didn't last long that's for sure but they gave it a shot apparently if you were a celebrity in the 90s of any note they were like we'll give you a cartoon fuck it Rick Miranda sure can we get Hasselhoff did Hasselhoff get a cartoon uh, Hasselhoff did not. Actually, Knight Rider, I do, do believe they did give that a cartoon. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> we might have figured it out, Steve. The 90s cartoon game was Who's Hot? Who's Hot? Howie Mandel, give this, get that glove off his head. Give him a cartoon. Fuck it. Well, somebody else that was hot around this time were the dynamic duo Kid and Play because they got their own fucking cartoon on NBC. This shit was fire, Steve. How, this couldn't have lasted that long, though, but I do remember it. I remember it because uh, it was around the same time Hammer got his own cartoon, and it had some cameos. It actually had Salt and Peppa. Uh, I believe uh, Tone Loke was in the cartoon. Uh, Tony Tony Tone was in the episode. Um, Tony Tony Tone. Uh, this that animation style reminds me of that Wayne Gretzky, Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan cartoon. That I think it was called All Stars or something. Pro Stars. Yeah, that shit was fire too. Man, they were just firing out new fucking cartoons. If we would have only known the the bounty we were getting back then, Steve. Give me a hell yeah! Man. Also in 1990, the Finelli Boys premiered on NBC, and this wasn't animated. This aired later that evening, and uh, I'm only bringing this up because uh, one of the stars on the show was a young Christopher Poloni uh, from Law and Order fame, and the Finelli Boys. The Finelli Boys, and uh, they aired this on Saturday nights. I'm guessing with Golden Girls and like 227 and shit. Nerd. There he is. Oh my god. God damn. This guy was juiced to the gills. Was he training with fucking Drago in Russia? What the fuck? What was the uh, What was the goddamn like storyline of the Finelli boys? Was it just like a family of Guido brothers living with their old mom? The Finelli boys showed pretty strong Italian American ethnic stereotyping. <laughs> There was even an Italian flag in the program's logo. The series garnered low ratings and was canceled in February 1991 after airing 19 episodes. Guys, the Christopher can't have, Christopher Maloney. Yeah, it was like Filoni, maybe. Felonious Assault. Yeah. yeah, you can't have every fucking tagline of a joke be meets a balls. Uh. That's a spicy sauce. Uh. Mama, you're fucking up with the sauce. 
the fuck? Yeah. Damn, what was it about Italians back then? Like, the 90s was straight up a, a mob movie, apparently a mob sitcom, from what I'm seeing here, Steve. Was that one of the episodes? Christopher Maloney is fucking mobbed up. That's why he's all juiced up. He's fucking cracking heads for the the Fratellis or some shit. They make a nice, uh, what is that shit? The Gestapo. I was about to say they make a Gestapo. Steve, that's, that's, that's Spanish, Steve. Come on. I don't fuck. That's not gelato. That's what I wanted to say. Anyway, uh, you know who was born on that day? Nineteen <laughs> ninety. Who? who? Uh, yeah, Matt Barkley, <laughs> African American. <laughs> he was an African American. Matt Barkley, American football player. Yeah. Who is Matt Barkley? Who is Matt Barkley, Steve? <laughs> African? Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley? Am I supposed to know a fucking Matt Barkley? I like football, but I don't remember a Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley, he was the guy that came up in USC after butt fumble. When my, when Mr. Sanchez got drafted away, uh, Matt Barkley, he was the guy that, that took the reins for like a year or two. <clears throat> oh, he was Matt, or he was the Sanchez's protege, is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. Came up under the butt fumble, and the butt uh, fumble. that just—I think—I don't even know if he's still in the league. No, <clears throat> fucking Sanchez isn't in the league. I don't think Matt fucking. Maybe he's a coach or some shit. I hope. Yeah, one of those uh, clipboard carriers. Um, but in 1991, on September 8th, Herman's head premiered on Fox. The four aspects of a man's personality helped him get through different situations in life. And um, I remember watching this along with the other shows that I would faithfully watch on Fox. And um, it's actually two performers from Simpsons on this show, Hank Azaria and Yearly Smith. And they would make different uh, Simpsons references throughout the show, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> they referenced the Simpsons on this show. That's pretty fucking dope. I mean, it's on yeah. Fox, so I guess they are, you know, it's not that surprising. They can do that shit, but that's cool. We definitely need to check this out because I, I don't remember this shit. Yeah, man. Um, it, like different parts, like there, there's a person for each part of his brain. And like one of them represented intelligence. One of them represented uh, anxiety and one of them represented lust. And the guy that represented Lust, I always thought he he looked like Artie Lang. I thought he was Artie Lang until I looked at the IMDb. And then it was another fat, like, comedic actor. Herman's head. Rocking something Ohio State on the image behind you. So I'm sure you like that, too, but... Oh, I love that. Yeah, we gotta take... We gotta watch this. We, we were gonna... I think we almost did watch this, but... You know, we, had to, tough... we had to go to New York, Steve. Yeah, man, it was tough this this time around. In uh, 1991, Bucky O'Hare and Total Wars premiered in syndication, and this only lasted, I believe, like 13 episodes, or if that. Um, I, I don't know why, because the animation on this looks really cool. Um, and you're more of a comic book guy. I don't know if this was based on a Marvel. Um, I do believe it's based on some comic book character. <clears throat> yeah. Or, or some comic book story for Bucky. I remember this cartoon though, because it's just a weird, it's weird green space bunny fucking 
Flash Gordon character type situation. Um, Man. I was really Why getting not? into it. I like the shoulder pad, like with the frills and stuff. But yeah, I remember Bucky O'Hare. I don't know why. I don't know what this was, but it. Man, if it's not based off a comic book, somebody just coming that off of that with like off the top of their dome. That's a weird one. It's like a uh, Star Fox. Remember that video game Star Fox? It's like that with a green button. I do. Super Nintendo, man. Uh, galactic hero Bucky O'Hare and his brave crew battled the evil toads bent in conquering the universe. Um, <clears throat> I believe it, it might be on YouTube, man. So I, I'm probably going to check that out one of these days. Uh, in 1993, Thea premieres on ABC. And Thea is a tough, no-nonsense widow raising four children while holding various low-paying jobs. Uh, starring obviously Thea Vidal and I remember watching this uh, it was paired up with Roseanne and this was the starring vehicle well one of the first starring vehicles for a young Brandy Norwood huh and these images aren't catching <laughs> you're not seeing her head but Brandy's in but there it's also yeah she played the the sister on here and Jason Weaver who's right behind me here. Uh, he was the voice of a young Simba in Lion King. Yeah. Wow. Wait. It was Jonathan Taylor Thomas for the speaking. Jason Weaver did the singing. Oh, the singing. Okay. The, the, the little brother on this show, I really hated his haircut. And I, I can't get it on any of these pictures that I got. Oh, here we go. This fucking haircut, it bothers the fuck oh, out of man. me. Oh, man. It's like... it. <clears throat> It's a severe. There's not You're even a fade. I mean, that's just like a mil somebody at the military doing something. <laughs> yeah, that's a five second cut, Steve. That's actually remember I was going to haircuttery. That's what happens when you go to a place called haircuttery, right there. Steve. Exactly. You, you get this shit. I, I hate it so much. That fucking haircut. He showed up on Smart Guy. He was talking shit to TJ. Like motherfucker, talk. Look in the mirror first before you fucking talk shit to TJ. He he's a he's a ten year old senior. Motherfucking get, get your fade right before you fuck with TJ. Don't talk about no Taj Maori with that fucked up fade. And uh, on that same day in 1993, the Joy Luck Club uh, premiered in theaters. We don't give a fuck about it, but I just remember it being a thing. Uh, it's uh, the life stories of four East Asian women and their daughters reflect and guide each other. It's <clears throat> one of those coming of age films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was like old people shit, though. This was uh, fried green tomatoes. This was Cocoon, you know. This was the movie where your mo the mom finds out she has cancer and they reconnect type movies where you're just like I I need to see something crash. <laughs> yeah, something explode. <laughs> yeah. I don't re I just remember it always being like you go rent a movie or something and you'd see it and you go right past it, Steve. Maybe <laughs> somebody's renting it. Frazier's going to rent it, not us. More like the Joy Suck Club. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Uh, somebody who also wasn't watching that shit in 1993 was Houston Astros' Daryl Kyle. He would throw the third no-hitter of the season in the Astros' 7-1 win over the New York Mets. Go on, Daryl Kyle. Kyle, yeah. Daryl. Actually, Steve, fun fact. Um, Daryl Kyle came directly from um, a showing of the Joy Luck Club and through this game, so... It actually gave him the power to do so. That was his inspiration. 
<laughs> I Man, watched I... the Joy Luck Club. I'm I'm Kyle Derek Daryl 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 Kyle. I'm on one second. I mean, I just saw these East Asian women just figuring out their loves and their lives, and it just inspired me. Steve, walking away while I'm trying to just go through a bit. I mean, the, Sorry. you know, I, there's disrespect. That, that the there's disrespect, Steve. I'm, I'm I, fucking. I, 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 I got a knock on the door. I got a knock on my door. Why does my life have to suck? In 1994, New York Undercover is premiering on Fox, and the episode is titled School Times. Uh, Manhattan police detectives J.C. Williams and Eddie Torres are assigned to a case dealing with a 17-year-old girl who accuses a high school football player of rape. Eddie has problems going to see his mother, who was in the hospital after six years of non-communication with each other. And I got to say, Steve, I know you liked it because you told me. My wife watched this shit, and I remember it being a thing. But when I was watching this episode, I wanted to, I almost, there was a moment where I was like, I'm, this is a shit show. This is a shit show, Steve, because I thought I knew what was going to happen. I thought I knew who the culprit was. And this show, this shit flip-flopped me twice, Steve. I'm on, my ankles are broke. If this is one-on-one, I'm on the ground, you're scoring an easy layup on me. Because I thought, I'm like easy i know who the scumbag is put him away there's 20 minutes I, they fucked me up steve and i gotta say jc and eddie torres some good cops good tag team duo right there man and uh, a, a cool fact cool fun fact about torres uh, the actor Michael DeLorenzo, he was a dancer for Michael Jackson's uh, video in Beat It. Uh, you can see him. He's one of the guys with the uh, with the leather vest or the leather jacket on doing. He's doing the whole shit. Damn. One the, one, he's one of the, the, the gangsters, one of the, the young punks, one of the, the the young thugs or whatever. The young gohards? Nice. <laughs> who, who ends up busting into a dance routine <clears throat> and he's getting it, man. What is the black dude's real name? Malik Yoba. Uh, yeah. Also from Cool Runnings. I was. That's what it was, dude. I was like, I know this guy from so many other things than this show. And I think he's been in some Tyler Perry movies too, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yes, yeah, Cool Runnings. But JC, I, I, we'll get to it. Again, I'm going in. I'm completely cold. I knew none of this. I just knew it was a thing. I wanted to hate it. And Steve, I didn't hate it. So I, I mean, how could you, man? You, you know, they they start off with "Around the Way Girl" as uh, in playing in the background by LL Cool J, and you're following these two little hottie young thotties uh, going from station to station in New York, and they end up at a house party of sorts. And as they get to the party, people are slow dancing, and the music goes from LL Cool J to Teddy Pendergrass's "Close the Door," and one of the girls ends up leading the a football team literally into the bedroom and then we cue that classic theme song yeah i mean she 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 drafts a whole football team of dudes takes a little fucking a grandpa's cough syrup out of her purse and goes into a room and we don't see what happens steve but i think we all know what happened you know what i'm saying let's go the boys let's run a train <laughs> yeah but i the theme cool uh I 
this show reminds me of um the why i mean obviously it's a cop show but just like the look of it reminds me of the wire a lot like the way that they filmed it and just like the grittiness of the just the look of the show i'm a big wire fan and i feel like this has a lot of tones and stuff i could see where getting into this show for sure um but yeah so we get to after the the cool theme song um we get back into the the uh police precinct these guys work at and uh malik yoba is like coming in i think he's interrupting a meeting or something and he's singing he's into high school football steve and specifically one team that I can't remember the name of right now, but this is one thing I've never understood as an adult that I've seen times in my life where people are just into high school athletics as adults. And I don't get that. I, I don't either. You know, um, let you, it go. Like you're, you're not going anymore. Let it go. Uh, you're not Uncle Rico. You ain't throwing a football over the hills, you know? And he's just like, they go make state. I'd be like, what? Are, huh? <laughs> We got to go catch some rapists, guy. (laughs) But I thought that was weird. And also just to call it out because it's been driving a hole in my head since I saw this on the show. For anybody that's a fan of Cheech and Chong movies, I know this is we're getting to a point where maybe people don't even know about them. They're a certain age. There's a movie called Still Smoking, and it's just a bunch of sketches. But Cheech actually plays a character named E.T., Eddie Torres, the extra testicle, and he's an alien that has three balls. And that's all it is. So I just want to point that the whole time I'm hearing Eddie Torres, that's what I'm thinking of. So sorry, Steve. Wow. That's a fun fact right there. Um, and so now I guess we're at the, uh, what do you call it, at the table where the, the cops are questioning. And the lady, the young lady's name is Aurea. Araya Nunez and she's retelling her side of the story and talking about how you know she was at a party and you know she met some football players from this school and they took her to her room and she told them stop stop and basically they just overtook her yeah and her we're starting it and I think her story is she went into the room which we saw she drank with these guys we saw the booze so that all adds up and then she says like everybody but that one qb dude the man like the qb guy went outside the room made sure that they just stood outside the door to give them privacy and this guy just raped the shit out of her and then that was that and that was her story so that's what they go with so now the mission and this is where i got caught off because usually in a cop show it's obvious guilty guy being a scumbag and then somehow everything works out at the end and they catch that guy but that's not the, well we think that's the case steve because i'm all i'm like put the fucking rapist away but you know there's a little bit of uh maybe we need to slow down a little bit here and you know she's even given the name of the school bulldogs and so you know torres and williams they're on the trail they end up pulling up at the hair salon where the other girl works um and she they get some details from her and then they end up pulling up at the bulldogs football practice and they basically eyeing the players now to see what was going on and one of the i think it was the qb he said uh, whatever happened to that girl last night she wanted it and just like you i'm thinking like oh yeah like let's just arrest this guy he pretty much put his foot in his mouth um 
he keeps yeah, like incriminating himself. So you're just like, this guy's just yeah. like a rape. He's just like, he's an unapologetic rapist. I was like, man, they're going hard just making this rape guy just a complete monster. Um, and so, yeah. And also Malik Yoba, the, unfortunately for him and his high school football loving ass, the team that's currently being sought in the rape is the team he's a fan of. So not only he gets the news like, oh, it's this team. And he's like, oh, man, they were just going to go to state. Can we just like let this rape go until after, <laughs> you know, he's trying to fucking hold it. That's not what he's doing, everybody. But it's just funny that that's he's he's uh, conflicted because he loves the, the high school team so much. But it's apparently just a pack of rapists, Steve. And while we're on that, man, uh, the kid actually tells them that she that the girl set him up. And one of the recurring things of this show, uh, Torres and Williams, they have this kind of cultural biased argument with each other. Like, oh, so you don't think he's guilty because he's a quarter a black quarterback with the possible future? Oh, you think she's not lying because she's Puerto Rican? And so you know they butt heads in, in a way. Uh, in that manner uh, over time but you know over time they also come back and find balance like hey man we were tripping i was tripping you were tripping yeah they see they have a perspective of each you know from each other too of what's going on here but i do want to point out a couple of things that these guys didn't just like hear a rape happened and get like uh they didn't start thinking maybe the chick was lying immediately. They saw a couple of things that were weird. Like when they go to the salon to ask about, to talk to the one other girl who was with the chick that got raped. Um, the owner of that, he has like a bandage on his nose. He's really like salty to cops. He's like, you don't need to, you know, he's trying to like evade her like testifying and stuff. So it's like, hey, What's going on? Why are you trying to protect these rapists? And we also find out that Torres' uh, mother is sick. Uh, His sister shows up at the police station and let him know that, you know, she might have cancer. And they haven't spoken. Torres and his mom, they've been on the outs with each other for some time. He's got some past demons that he just hasn't taken care of. Um, So that becomes a thing between Torres and the rest of his siblings. And now Torres is on the trail of young Araya and he follows her to another football practice. And by this time, he, by the time she starts kissing one of the players on the football team, uh, Williams pulls up and they both see that. Yeah. So now even more, they're like, you know, we don't want to say this chick was fucking trying to throw a game, but what's going on here? So there's even more suspicion. They take it to their boss and they're like, you know, we were ready to get this kid like locked up, but now we're thinking, um, there might be something going on here. We're right on. We're about to figure this out. And the, her, their boss, the chief, which is like this, like, she looks like Murphy Brown that worked out basically. I forget what Yeah. Lieutenant Cooper. She's like, you got this kid. Well, that's great. But the QB for the football team is about to just sign an affidavit and uh, I think like take a plea deal or some shit. And they're like, you can't do that. Give us a day. Um, we're going to figure this out. Cause that guy, he's this, something's going on here. 
Um, and yeah. I so the, they agree to like hold off for a day. They see that. Um, they keep following. I think they talk to. Um, oh, they talk to the grifty fucking shifty dude, Ricky or whatever, that's selling fucking shit off the back of the truck. Selling stereos, yeah. And he's like a local scumbag. There's a lot of these, you know, this is like a New York thing. It's just a local he's guy. He's like a huggy bear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's selling shit. He's got his ear to the ground. He knows what's going on. They're like, look, um, you know, what's going on? Is there somebody taking bets? Because I think there's also there's this suspicion about people like betting on this high school football game that's about to happen, which, again, uh, in and of itself is insane. Like, who's doing that? It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you got Yankees, you got Knicks, you got Mets, you got Giants and Jets. And But, man, our money is invested in these local sports of these children who probably won't end up being shit. So that's a thing. And with gambling, Steve, comes the fuckery comes the maybe i get this guy out of the game somehow my team wins bada boom bada bing i win this bet so now it's even more like oh, what's nice. going on here is this bitch trying to fucking throw a game is this chick a gambling fucking genius what's going on here so now they have to go talk to uh and what's her name annalisa or a- araya i'm gonna I call her the know. victim <laughs> The victim. <laughs> the victim. They got to go talk to the victim again. And they're like, so you uh, left out the fact that you're fucking. And also just the logic here, though, I feel like is almost crazy to walk up on somebody you think is a victim and be like, so you are you fucking this other QB and trying to get this game to be fucked with? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you don't even have the facts straight, but this is New York. They're, yeah. they're tough. Listen, they're tough listen, toots. Uh, we know you're fucking the Puerto Rican guy on what fountain or whatever, fountain high. So, uh, what's going on here? You placing a couple faulty bets, a fugazi bet or two? What's going on? And, uh, she fucking, she's kind of stone faced. You can tell something's fucked up, but she's like, nah, mm, nope. I'm not talking to, I'm not telling you shit. She ain't talking, Steve. I ain't talking, Kappa. So. I mean, they're almost at a dead end. It's like, who do we strong arm here? Who do we go to? Um, and uh, man, I wish I could remember the exact chain of events, but somehow they get, they figure, they are like, let's go to the QB of the other team. The guy's boyfriend. Yeah, the boyfriend dude. Yeah. And they come up with this thing. They're like, well, we got to get, we have to have like something a judge can see or hear. You know, we got to get evidence that's going to get this kid out of this rape charge, but it has to be something definitive. We just can't like, we got to do something weird here. So people like tabloid journalism, we're going to come at this kid and act like we're a TV show. No, wait, is do they do it to the QB or do they do it to the chick? I might be fucking this up, Steve. I'm well, sorry. Well, they, they talk, they talk to the QB, the boyfriend, and they basically say that, Hey man, uh, this is what's going on because he wasn't privy to any of this stuff that yeah. his, his girlfriend was in debt and she owed this hair salon owner, um, who was like a loan shark or some sort. And so he's like, Hey man, like you can cooperate with us, get all any possible heat off of you. And so Lieutenant Cooper, she goes incognito as a news anchor and she's going to interview the victim. Uh, and, and so she can, you know, share her plight with the world. And, you know, the guilty, the guiltiness just sets in and she's like, hey, don't record. 
don't don't turn the camera on and then she just comes clean um, but and that's good enough though that's good enough because they were yeah. just recording audio too there's like an ice cream truck a block away where they're jc and et yeah. are in the fucking cut just listening like <sighs> fucking this bit this dude's gonna ruin it because like they're trying to get the dude and that's what i also thought was funny they pull the cop move that i hate it's smart but i hate this move where they separate you and they're like look your fucking friends giving you up bud we know everything you putting dick down in this chick trying to get her to throw the game we know what's going on so you got to tell us what's up or you're gonna go to jail you fucking scumbag and this the qb's like uh and he calls her they even do like a fake call and shit i mean that shit was funny and they get fucking the lieutenant looking like she's a fucking drag queen she looks crazy that's yeah, weird she looks a hot mess <laughs> she looks like she just got done fucking <laughs> i'm gonna do this interview yeah. and uh basically the guy you know everybody's there the girl inc- sort of incriminates herself a little bit and the cops show up and arrest her but she's not gonna give up the sauce see she says something that gets her arrested but she won't talk to anybody but et she wants to talk to eddie torres the extra testicles steve because <laughs> she's got a she's got something to tell him and uh she wants to talk to him specifically so they get back they take this this bitch has been in a fucking holding cell or a uh, one of those like interrogation rooms for like 50 hours at this point this week. She's in and out. Um, yeah. And they get her back in there. Eddie comes in. Uh, and we've glanced over the fact that they went to arrest the salon owner. And they get in a foot chase with him through the streets of New York. Through fire escapes. This guy pulls a fucking rush hour and jump like jumps a gap or like jumps down a, like off of a roof onto another roof. Uh, but E.T. has got them skills, Steve. He knows New York, and he gets they arrest him, too. And uh, like you said, that guy, the salon owner, who was the boss of the friend of the, ch- of the victim, is the loan shark, and he's, like, intimidating her, getting the chick to fuck the guy to set up that, the other football team so he can win a bet. And if you couldn't complicate high school athletics any more than this, I would love to know if that's possible because this is insanity, Steve. Bayside High ain't got shit on this. <laughs> God damn. I'm out of breath saying that, but that's basically what's going on here. So now the chick's in jail. The guy we thought was the rapist, he ain't the rapist. The chick isn't even the fucking bad guy. She said a lie, but she had some shit going on. The bad guy's a salon owner, Steve, and I... I would never have thought. I would never have thought it, Steve. <laughs> all, all with the cool sounds of great music, great hip hop slash R and B. Um, you know, just the the musical backdrop that they added to it on top of that, man. And it, it had style. Uh, Torres and Williams, they they stay with the drip. You know, uh, I mean, they they were they were like law and order with fashion. So it's like 21 Jump Street style. It's like that good shit, you know? Modern, yeah, yeah, more modern 21 Jump Street. There we go. And one and, thing I got to point out, though, before we get to the end of this, at some point we get to see, you know, obviously Eddie's got his thing with his mom. Uh, for, and his family has one of everything, Steve. There's a priest. There's a nurse. There's a cop. 
there's probably a fucking criminal in there someplace, but his family's got it all. But what the unsung hero of this to me is JC because not only is he a cop, he's saving lives. He's going home to a New York apartment that is just cool as fuck to a woman, Steve, his wife or his girlfriend or whatever that is. God damn. And she's even got good advice. So Michael Michelle. Yeah. JC, you're killing it. Um, and I, I just was saying, I was like, how much do the cops make? Because in New York City, apart, if you can live in a closet and pay $10,000, this guy's living in like a penthouse with a model. I mean, I would never go to work. Well, I'm sure certain New York cops get money under the table in various ways. Uh, I hate to put that on you, JC. I knew you were just getting your flowers, but it is what it is. Oh, I thought you were like actually like teasing something that happens in the show. I was like, oh, is JC on the fucking take? Nah, he stayed clean, but I'm just saying, I mean, I, I say New York, there's side stories that they're not going to have in the episode. Maybe he's from the streets. Maybe you get paid not to see something. You know what I'm saying, JC? Maybe you get paid maybe to look the other way. And uh, on that same day in 1994, the 11th MTV Video Music Awards airs from Radio City Music Hall in New York, hosted by Roseanne Bach. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Get her off the screen for a second. Let her have a vacation. She's on a show. She's on a cartoon. She's singing the Na- fucking national anthem and getting garbage thrown at her. What can she do? Jesus. Not feeling Roseanne. The VMAs, uh, though? What the fuck? I didn't know that they were that old. I thought that was something they started doing, like, in the late 90s. The No, man. The 80s, bro. Because they, like, there was... Madonna performances and all of that shit, man. Uh, so by 94, they were able to give out Lifetime Achievement Awards and Vanguards, man. Uh, the two things that, that kind of stole the show, uh, for one, Madonna shows up with David Letterman. They they were announcing for award for best video of the year. She came out arm in arm with them uh, to a wild ovation. And uh, David Letterman says to her, watch your language, uh, because this was just months after her profanity-laced interview with David Letterman. So that got a pop. And this was more famously known for the beginning, which was presented by Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley Jackson at the time. And it just looks so fake and phony when they embraced and kissed. Oh, this is when they did the public kiss. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to have a fake wife, you could do way worse than Lisa Marie Presley. I always thought she was fucking hot. Um, But yeah, no one bought this. This is like some (laughs) guy you work with. It's just like, God, I'm just swimming in pussy, you guys. I just, it's squirting all over me. It's fabulous. (laughs) Yeah, his, his people called her people. Uh, and in 1995, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar premiered in theaters, directed by Bieben Kedron, starring Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, and John Leguizamo. Three drag queens travel cross country until their car breaks down, leaving them stranded in a small town. Uh, my ex-girlfriend said that this was her favorite movie of all time. Uh, and that's when I realized, oh, their target audience is retards. <laughs> Steve... <laughs> That's funny. 
I actually got it. I had to see this movie in the theaters, Steve. I was drag. What year was this? 1995, September 8th. So I was 12. Yeah, that, that, that comes to, that's right. So I was in Ohio and yeah, my mom and dad, for whatever reason, took me to a theater to see this shit. I don't know why. I don't remember wanting to do that. I do remember Swayze. There's a bit in this. Obviously, this is strange. Other than Leguizamo, who I've seen in drag and doing this most of his career, Swayze and Wesley Snipe. I blades in here, fucking with a blonde wig on. But Swayze gets groped by a dude in this, and there's like that. He's just like, "Hey, buddy." He's like, you know, dressed like a chick, and that's what I remember. I remember one snippet second of this movie, Steve. But I don't, this is probably a lot of people's favorite movie, though. I'm sure there's a lot of drag queens, a lot of gay dudes that love this movie. There's a lot of fucking, uh, hopefully, like, Wazamo fans that like this movie. But I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about it, and I swear to you I've seen it. I mean, it, it left a mark on society somehow, some way. Uh, Maybe there's like a contest go. they're going to. I think there's like a drag convention. There's something where they're on a road trip and they're like going across the country giving drag queen lessons. That's basically the story. That's it, Teach Steve. Me, teaching people how to slay. All right. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Buddy, something what in the fuck are you doing? It's a lot of like they're in fucking Mississippi, and this is like this, you know, like Wazamo's hitting on some hillbilly in a bar someplace. It's just a lot of that. But we don't take care of people like you. Yep. They're not watching this at a MAGA rally. Let's put it like that, Steve. There's not. This is a. There's a very select audience for this movie. But it's so not wild that yet. like how big was drag that. Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze at the really it's not the height of their career but it wasn't at the they weren't going down I mean these guys were yeah. still in big ass fucking movies weird like I don't remember other than Re, RuPaul drag being this big in the early to mid 90s well RuPaul was a fucking megastar in the 90s yeah, I guess. Maybe that's all it was. It was just like, oh, RuPaul's famous. Here's a script based on that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Then you got to look at John Waters. He kind of made that shit a thing, too. He kind of added to that with yeah. his different characters and Divine and shit. Uh, but in 1996, cool. Blue's Clues premieres on Nickelodeon. Uh, the show follows an animated blue-spotted dog named Blue as she leaves a trail of clues, paw prints for the host and viewers to figure out her plans for day. Blue's Clues becomes the highest rated show for preschoolers on American commercial television that was critical to Nickelodeon's growth. Um, I, I feel like this was, uh, it had drug subtext to it. I feel like you can just do that. If you're on enough drugs and watch a kid's show, there's subtext there. And if there's not, you'll make it, you know? Maybe that's what it is. I th- people were into this show though. And I know they even like brought the, the one guy I think people thought was dead or something or yeah steve but he came back like in like recently like it was like hey i'm still here it was kind of like a weird thing that they did maybe even mid-pandemic or some shit but we were too old but this took over i mean this was like barney or any of that shit you know every kid was fucking watching it singing that shit i didn't know the dog was a she (laughs) 
I didn't either. I didn't know. Why do you have to even specify? It's a drawing. <laughs> yeah, watch your pronouns, Nickelodeon. <laughs> you fucks. Yeah, in 1997, September 8th, Ellie McBeal premieres on Fox. The series star, Callista Flockhart, is in the title role as a lawyer working in the Boston law firm Cajun Fish with other lawyers whose lives and loves are eccentric, humorous, and dramatic. The series received critical acclaim in its early seasons, winning the Golden Globe Award for Best Television Series, Musical, or Comedy, and Emmy Award for Outstanding Comedy Series. I don't know what to say about some of these shows. It's just like, I'm a dude. I didn't watch that show. <laughs> I mean, same. And, you know, I it's one of those things where, like, I, I kind of <laughs> want to watch it because I remember it being, like, nominated for all of those shows. But I guess I'm just not there in life yet. I don't uh, like lawyer procedurals, though. I don't like law. You know, I don't, other than maybe like a time to kill, but there's like other shit going on in a movie. I don't like a show that's just about lawyers. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but. And especially when you try to make it a comedy. How do you, it's, it's, you're a lawyer. What's so funny about you? Okay. Unless you're Dan Felding. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I, this probably is because I'm a fucking um, narrow minded dude, but I just saw this and was like, Oh, it's like Sex in the City, but she's a lawyer. There you go. You know, and that's, that might not even be the case. I honestly, other than her being a lawyer and this being a thing, I have not seen an episode. So I'm sorry, Callista Flockhart. You know, you uh, you were a thing, and I think you were connected. Is she married to Harrison Ford? Is that a thing? Yeah, or? she is. There you go. So you're fucking Han Solo, that's, too. That's dope. It's probably the most famous thing she's done is fucking Han Solo. Um, but in 1998, Pokemon premiered on syndication. And good for you. Uh, you, you were and are a thing, Pokemon. Uh, I don't give a fuck, but I just had to notice it and mention it. Uh, but on that same day in 1998, Cannabis rele- receives, releases his album, Can I Bus? And it got critical acclaim for the lyrics. Uh, it, it got some flack for the music part. And most of it was produced by Wyclef Jean. Not a Wyclef Jean fan, but Cannabis, love the love the name, love some songs, and uh, you know he was a. It's just weird to weed is weird now because when we were kids and when even when we were in like college, it wasn't what it is now. You know the people that were like. Yeah. Codmouth Kings were like a weed thing. There was very few people just out there being like, I'm into weed, other than like Chi and Chong and Snoop Dogg and shit. Um, yeah. I was never a huge cannabis fan, but I knew I knew of him. I knew of like some shit that, that he did. And this is the one that had the uh, second round knockout. At the time, he was in a beef with LL Cool J. And that's one of the things that you don't do. Before Eminem, was kind of like the guy you don't want to fuck with in the in the battles and all that shit. LL Cool J was that guy because he ended quite a few careers. But Cannabis, he was young, he was brash, and he didn't give a fuck. And he delivered on Second Round Knockout. And it the video for Second Round Knockout also had Mike Tyson, uh, fresh off of the whole ear biting scandal. Damn. <clears throat> Can I also love that album title? Can I buzz? <laughs> <laughs> Can I bust? Uh, on 
1998, Hole releases their album Celebrity Skin. That's the most successful album. She's Courtney. That's the Courtney Love band. That's correct. Yeah. I feel like I liked one whole song, Steve. There's probably one in there that I enjoyed. Maybe it was that. Um, But oh, make me over. Just Courtney Love. Not into it. Not gonna do it. And also on that same day in 98, Everlast releases Whitey Ford sings the blues. I loved it. Matt did not. Can I just say though, I'm sorry. First of all, Everlast, don't I'm I'm sorry. I I was speaking out of turn. You're a badass, you're a legend. Um, but back to that other picture of the whole thing that you were showing, were they burning a cross? Yeah. I don't like that. God, what are you no, doing? No, I, I, no, I, no, it's not a cross. Okay, that's just fire. I'm just okay. like, yeah, sure, they totally were. What's, yeah, I don't like what's that. What's wrong with that? <laughs> sure. I bought the album. It's I a, think it's, it's a statement. Fire. Burning crosses. I don't know. Everlast. It was just like it was a slower brand. It was a slower thing. I. We were listening to Limp Bizkit. We were listening to all like Eminem and all that aggressive shit. And there was a place for this. And I bought the fucking album. And I, I remember there being some good shit on there. But sorry, man. I'm just offering my own opinion, Steve. And I'm sticking strong to it. And I'm unapologetic. I don't care. Well, it wasn't all acoustic. He had some hip hop in there. He had some straight rapping tracks on there. And uh, I remember getting this in the Columbia House deal where you get 12 CDs for one cent. Yeah. Yep. And then they keep sending you CDs and then your credit goes to shit. <laughs> yeah. Hi, like, why, why do I owe $70? What the fuck? $150. So, yeah. I don't want Hall and Oates, the collection. I don't need this. Yeah. Shit, I ain't order this shit. <laughs> well, I yeah. I, yeah I, some. <laughs> That was like uh, Girls Gone Wild vids. I bought one Girls Gone Wild vid at a horny moment in my life. And for months later, I kept getting like other videos. And it, with those, you're like, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to throw these away. I got to check these out. Girls Gone to Harlem. <laughs> yeah. Girls Gone to Cuba. Girls Gone to Lake Havasu in a bathroom. Volume seven. Bum 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 ba bum 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 ba bum bum ba bum 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 Yeah. Columbia House though, they got me. I remember getting like a couple of CDs that because it was on a list, so you couldn't see if it was like parental advisory. And I had permission the first time to do that shit. And my mom's like, get this, do that. But I didn't stop and she forgot about it so they just i got caught in that situation see but i did get i think like a notorious big cd or two off of that that my mom probably wouldn't have bought otherwise so shout out columbia house fucking people's credit up before it starts (laughs) and and also in 98 in front of a nationwide audience watching on fox mark mcguire hits his 62nd home run of the major league baseball season breaking the 37-year-old record held by Roger Maris. Asterisk. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at those. Look at the forearms. How did he not think he was going to get caught, though? It's like, you don't get old and get... Everybody was doing it. Yeah, you're right. 
But I mean, how exci- this? How exciting was it to watch, Steve? You could literally, you can't watch a baseball game and expect a guy to hit a home run every time. It might happen, but this guy, you turned it on. It was just like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, that guy's Any traps team. are huge. Rafael Palmero, Sammy Sosa, fucking even Roger Clemens' big fucking thing from Fantastic Four's ass is on the mound. Like, <laughs> dude, you don't look like how you look when you were a rookie. Yeah, ba- you were with the Red Sox. Barry, why is your yeah. head getting so big? Why are your traps the size of your fucking thighs, dude? <laughs> I'm not, I'm eating a lot of horse meat. That's it. It's horse meat. Okay. Eating the horses. Jason Giambi, you gained fucking 10 pounds of muscle in five days. How the fuck? <laughs> you look like a fucking erected testicle. <laughs> but shout out. See, they're putting their... That's my other thing, though, dude. These guys are putting their bodies on the line to fucking make baseball exciting. It ain't exciting, Steve. Do something. Get these guys juiced out of their minds hitting fucking uh, sonic boom balls out of the fucking park. I'll watch. Get cheerleaders. Titties. Titties usually help. I mean, that's that's marketing 101, Steve. No, Big Bressises. That's the first chapter in the marketing handbook. Big Bressises. Chapter one. Y'all lucky Jerry Jones didn't get into the MLB business. He shut all y'all shit down. Jesus. Somebody, Jerry World Baseball. That He should. 175,000 games a year. He'd fucking be all over the place. He'd bring titties to the baseball league. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Any callbacks, honorable mentions, takeaways? We got we had a lot of shit to cover, and we still miss some shit. <clears throat> well, I have... It's just the 90s. It's an honorable mention. But whoever is doing the resurgence of Ninja Turtles stuff, just in, the, in general, salute to you. Because they made a new video game, Steve. And it's good. It. It's fun. Shredder's Revenge. But then... Yeah. You know, I'm sitting around and I say, what is this? There's something called Cowabunga Collection that's available, $40, and it's every Ninja Turtles game ever. Just bought it. So, I don't know who's responsible for this masterpiece. Thank you. I've been playing Turtles in Time, the arcade game, for a solid day. And uh, I'm in my glory, Steve. So, shout out to Ninja Turtles and to that game. Get it. Let's do it. Uh, man, so Digital Underground, they released an album the same day Everlast and Hole and uh, Mark McGuire was hitting his uh, his fake record. Um, his it's called Who Got the Gravy? And Who Got the Gravy, it, it's very, I get funkadelic vibes, man. And, you know, unfortunately in 98, this was a different era. Like, we're already listening to different things that's not Digital Underground. They're, they were more... Uh, famous in the early 90s with the Humpty Dance and, you know, I Get Around and all of that stuff, man. But it's still a far out album, man, especially for us potheads. Uh, Check out Who Got the Gravy. It's available on Spotify. Uh, In 1990, Saved by the Bell, they aired the prom episode. And that's famous because Kelly can't go to the dance because she's too poor and Zach doesn't care. We could go have a dance in the picnic go to the backyard i mean honestly they had a lot of privacy steve a lot of privacy it's one of the one of the few episodes where zach morris wasn't trash 
Yeah, no, I, that was a quintessential episode. That was Kelly at her hottest when I was a kid. I obviously everybody had a crush on Kelly Kapowski, and um, I mean, I would have taken her to a fucking dance in a trash can just to fucking slow dance with Kelly at that time, Steve. So, I get it. Sponsored by BFI and uh, our people of social media, uh, the usuals, man. This Brandon Woodard guy, uh, he, he shares on our Facebook, and we appreciate that, man. He shares our videos that we put out. Uh, and then we got Mr. Digital Comics. We got uh, Mr. Lopez and that Frankie Lopez into his house. And my guy, not once, not twice, but Hector Aponte the third Man, you guys, I, I give you firm handshakes and look you in the eye. How about that? That shows you how much you mean to me. Now, uh, please like, share, subscribe, and comment, please. And give us five stars on, on those different apps on the Spotify and the Apple podcasts and whatnot. Uh, check out Over the Culture on Sundays, Crushgasm with Kendra on Wednesdays, B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve, and Don't Worry, Be Movie with Amanda and Wade. Y'all be cool. This is Steve G and Mad G with Happened in the 90s. 90s.